Actually, Brahma, Brahmaji is offering prayers on behalf of the demigods, even though they can't see him. They're at Shwetadweep, and Lord Brahma is offering prayers to the Lord. And um, this is because the, the demigods have lost their position in the universe. And they're trying to get it back, so they went to the Lord. Actually, they went to Brahma, and Brahma went to the Milk Ocean, as he did before Krishna appeared in the world. And they offered various prayers. So this one, 47, is about hard work. Kleshabur yalpasarani karmani vipalaniva dehinam vishayartanam natataivar pitam twayi. Karmis are always anxious to accumulate wealth for their sense gratification. But for that purpose, they must work very hard. Yet even though they work hard, the results are not satisfying. Indeed, sometimes their work results only in frustration. But devotees who have dedicated their lives to the service of the Lord can achieve substantial results without working very hard. These results exceed the devotees' expectations. Krishna, you want to hear it again? Say yes. Just shake your head. I knew you would. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Karmis are always anxious to accumulate wealth for their sense gratification, but for that purpose, they must work very hard. Yet even though they work hard, the results are not very satisfying. Indeed, they are not satisfying. Indeed, sometimes their work results only in frustration. But devotees who have dedicated their lives to the service of the Lord can achieve substantial results without working very hard. These results exceed the devotees' expectations. Haribol! Purport, we can practically see how the devotees who have dedicated their lives for the service of the Lord in the Krishna Consciousness Movement are getting immense opportunities for the service of the Supreme Personality of Godhead without working very hard. The Krishna Consciousness Movement actually started with only 40 rupees, but now it has more than 40 crores worth of property. And all this opulence has been achieved within eight or 10 years. No karmi can expect to improve his business so swiftly. And besides that, Whatever a karmi acquires is temporary and sometimes frustrating. In Krishna consciousness, however, everything is encouraging and improving. The Krishna consciousness movement is not very popular with the karmis because this movement recommends that one refrain from illicit sex, meat eating, gambling, and intoxication. These are restrictions that karmis very much dislike. Nonetheless, 
in the presence of so many enemies, this movement is progressing, going forward without impediments. If the devotees continue to spread this movement, dedicating life and soul to the lotus feet of Krishna, no one will be able to check it. The movement will go forward without limits. Chant Hare Krishna. So, um, there's a there's a way in which the Bhagavatam tells us that when we are born, it's already fixed up how much happiness or distress we're going to get in this life. And Narada says, In due course of time, Kalena Sarvatra Kabira Ramasa, things come of their own accord according to one's previous work. And that's fixed up very firmly when one takes on a human body. And so the hard work that one does to try to enjoy more in the material world is a mistake for a couple of reasons. One is that we can never really enjoy the material world. And the second is we can't get more enjoyment than we're allotted anyway. However, Narada says that if you work hard for Krishna consciousness, then you can expand your uh, horizons you can go back to the spiritual world and whatever you do is not lost. In the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, Neha bikramanashosti pratyavayonavidite solpamapyasyadharmasya trayate mahatobhaya. Even a little bit of endeavor and advancement in devotional service saves one from the most dangerous type of fear, which is losing the opportunity for human life and falling back down into the lower species. Krishna preserves whatever advancement a devotee makes, and even if you don't make it completely in this lifetime, then he says that in the next lifetime or the next creation, wherever it may be, you take up where you left off before. Whereas whatever material advancement we make is rubbed off the board and we have to start all over again in the next life. Or the karma comes forward and we get what's called mixed happiness. Interestingly, I read in the Yoga Sutras the other day, where Patanjali says that happiness is even worse, is even worse than misery, because then you become really attached to it and you try for it more and more. And the happiness in the material world is something where we try to control it. Although happiness comes of its own accord, there's a way that the materialistic mind thinks, let me bottle it up and keep it and control the experience. For devotees, whether happiness or distress comes, they accept that that comes from their past activities and now they're getting whatever was due to them. And they're not so much concerned with it because they're concerned with serving Krishna. So Prabhupada ends this by saying Hare Krishna. And this is a, a kind of an exaltation because he puts a exclamation mark on the end. And this is because Krishna is always victorious. Whatever we do in Krishna consciousness will always have success, even if we don't see it immediately. 
And uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, Param Vijayate Shri Krishna Sankirtan. <laughs> that you're going to uh, be victorious by practicing Krishna consciousness. So invest yourself in those things that make you spiritually rich. In the 18th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, Jagya Dana Tapa. These are three things that he said you should never give up, even if you become a great yogi, a great soul, because he said they purify even the great souls. Yagya means uh, doing work to satisfy Krishna, and tapa means uh, restraining the senses in order to control the mind and to work dutifully and not get waylaid by sense gratification or the churnings of the mind. And dana, which means be uh, liberal in giving and charity. Jagda dana tama. Jagda dana tapa. These three things one should never give up, Krishna says, because they purify even the great souls. One of the characteristics of the material world is that it's very sticky. As soon as uh, we get purified, it's just like when you clean your room. I don't know if you've noticed this, but if you're staying at home a lot, the room tends to get um, messed up a lot faster because um, we're living in them 24 hours a day. So <laughs> uh, even as we move about this world, we perform uh, good activities. We still constantly are being assailed by the material nature. So we have to stay purified and uh, it's a daily affair, starting over again and uh, working, you know, for keeping the purity in our minds and our bodies. Physically, we have to stay pure and also mentally, and we have to stay connected spiritually very strongly every day. Uh, it's a it's a small price to pay, and it's a very short lifetime compared to compared to the uh, reward that one gets. Um, <clears throat> the shastras all say this. This is the guidance for, for human beings. For instance, the Shri Shapanishad says, Ishavasyamidam sarvam jagat yam jagat tena tena bunjita Basically, uh, you should understand that the, everything here in this world is uh, already owned. It's already controlled by somebody else. It's meant for their pleasure, not for ours. Um, it can be leased to us for a little while. We're, we take a body on lease, and also we uh, we get some facility. Tena tyak tena bunjita means there's some facility given to us by uh, Krishna's arrangement through material nature, and you can accept that and take whatever you need to maintain a healthy life. But tena tyak tena bunjita magradha kasusudana. But don't try to covet more magradha. Don't try to hold on to more than you need. And what do you need? Bhagavatam says, Kama Sanendriya Pritir Labu Jiveta Yavata, Jiva Sitapajignasya, Narto Yashchehakarmabi. Do you need just enough so you can stay, um, as they say in Japan, Genki? Genki means uh, healthy, enlivened, and uh, your senses are strong. But you don't need to pile it on. Uh, first of all, it doesn't help, it's frustrating. Uh, trying to hold on to things that you can't hold on to. This is actually the root cause of suffering, uh, according to all the Shastras. 
is thirsting for the non-permanent. And then, um, then uh, the Sri Ishapanishad says, Ishapanishad says, Kurvanevi ha karmani, karmani jijivishekshatam samaha, evam tvainanyate tostina karma lipite nare. Now it says that if you, if you think like this, that everything belongs to God, and I'm just leasing it out and I'm using it for his pleasure in his service, and you're in such a good situation, says Sri Shapanishad, you can, you can expect to live a uh, hundred years. Uh, that's, the, that's what you get in, the, in this Kali Yuga, a hundred years. You can expect to live for a hundred years without lipite. Lipite really means without getting smeared by the material energy. You know, have you ever been smeared? You put on a, a really nice uh, clothes, fresh, and all of a sudden something, you get smeared. Uh, something gets on you. It's not going to be easy to get out and, you know, ruins your whole day. And so lipite means that that which, you know, sticks to you here in the material world. Lipite. So, kurvaneviha karmani jijivishekshatam samaha evam tvainanyate tosti na karma lipite. So there's a, it won't stick to you. If you, if you have this right attitude, if you understand that I'm working for Krishna, I'm not uh, greedily trying to work uh, for myself. And Krishna says a similar thing in the Bhagavad Gita when he says, Ramanyadaya karmani sangam tyakva karotya lipyate nasapapena padma patrami bambasa. If you have the right attitude when you're working in the world, you're doing it for service to Krishna, then uh, you won't get touched, you won't get smeared by the three modes of material nature. It was a miracle practically because we're in a physical body and we're working in the world, interacting with it in many different ways. So uh, one should be careful in how one works with the material energy and uh, be careful to retain the right attitude. So this, that's a, um, a verse I thought I'd bring out and then uh, we'll take a few questions, and I have some other points that I've collected to share with you today from various places. Questions? So, dear devotees, you can unmute yourself. Uh, you have the privilege now. And Let's see. There's some on the. Um, there's some in the chat box. Yeah, there's some comments there. Okay. Dipali says, uh, "Please accept my humble obeisance, Hare Krishna, and uh, Namrata." Hare Krishna. In the verse Tasyaiveheto, the happiness that comes naturally, does that refer to material happiness? Yes. Is that the same as the gain that comes of its own accord in the verse Yedrichcha Labasantushto? Yeah. Yeah, that is. Because in that sense, in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says Yedrichcha Labasantushto Dvanvatito Vimatsara. He's talking about how to work in the world and be balanced. And yet that yadrishya, it comes of its own accord. And be satisfied with that. You don't have to push too hard to get more than that. In fact, it's mentioned in the seventh canto that uh, there are three ways grahastas should um, expect to, to get gain in their life. One is from the sky, comes from rain, because then you get grains. And all kinds of um, wondrous gifts come from the rain coming from the sky. And the others uh, from the earth, which includes from, um, from the sea, 
from the ground and from mines and things like that. You get all kinds of things. And the third one said is antariksha, uh, which means that it comes from outer space. <laughs> it comes out of nowhere. <laughs> and so uh, this is uh, Narada Muni teaching Yudhishthira in the seventh canto. And he said, so you should take those three places where you're getting gifts and you should use those uh, judiciously and you should use them to nourish others, take care of other people. We were just reading today in the Bhagavatam, in the eighth canto, about how uh, it is that, um, yeah, when you do, um, here, I'll look it up for you because it's a great verse. It's a, the verse is, um, which many of you probably already know already, Tatyante Lukatapena, Sarva Praisojana, Parama Araranam Tadi Purushasyakilatmana. Do you all know that verse? It's in the Lord Shiva Saves the Universe. Of course, you're on mute and I'm asking you questions. It's like being in the dentist chair and then the dental hygienist asks you all kinds of questions and you can't <laughs> say anything. Okay, I know mine does. Uh, 8744, it is said that great personalities almost always accept voluntary suffering because of the suffering of people in general. This is considered the highest method of worshiping the Supreme Personality of Godhead, who is president in, every, present in everyone's heart. He's also the president in everyone's heart. Here is an ex explanation of how those engaged in activities for the welfare of others are quickly recognized by the Supreme Personality of Godhead. The Lord says in Bhagavad Gita 1868 and 69, One who preaches the message of Bhagavad Gita to my devotees is most dear to me. No one can excel him in satisfying me by worship. There are different kinds. This is what the point I wanted to bring to you. There are different kinds of welfare activities in this material world. But the supreme welfare activity is the spreading of Krishna consciousness. Other welfare activities cannot be effective for the law. This is the part I really like. Other welfare activities cannot be effective for the laws of nature and the results of karma cannot be checked. It is by destiny or the laws of karma that one must suffer or enjoy. For instance, if one is given a court order, he must accept it, whether it brings suffering or profit. Similarly, everyone is under obligations to karma and its reactions. No one can change this. Therefore, the Shastra says, One should endeavor for that which is never obtained by wandering up and down the universe as a result of the reactions of karma. What is that? One should endeavor to become Krishna conscious. If one tries to spread Krishna consciousness all over the world, he should be understood to be performing the best welfare activity. The Lord is automatically very pleased with him. Now's when you can start smiling. If the Lord is pleased with him, what is left for him to achieve? If one has been recognized by the Lord, even if he does not ask the Lord for anything, the Lord who is within everyone supplies him whatever he wants. This is also confirmed in Bhagavad Gita. Tesham nityabhyuktanam yogekshema mahamyaham. Again, as stated here, 
Bhaktina Sarava Prayashojana. The best welfare activity is raising people to the platform of Krishna consciousness. Since the conditioned souls are suffering only for want of Krishna consciousness, the Lord Himself also comes to mitigate the suffering of humanity. Yada yada hitarmasya glanir bhavati bharata abhyutana matarmasya tatatmanam srajambyaham paritranaya sadhu nam vinashaya tadrushkritam tarmasam stapanartaya sambhavami yuge yuge. Whenever and wherever there is a decline in religious practice, O descendant of Bharat, and a predominant rise of your religion, at that time I descend myself. To deliver the pious and to annihilate the miscreants, as well as to reestablish the principles of religion, I invent myself millennium after millennium. All the Shastras conclude, therefore, that spreading the Krishna conscious movement is the best welfare activity in the world. Because of the ultimate benefit this bestows upon people in general, the Lord very quickly recognizes such service performed by a devotee. So it's superfluous. You try to help the people's bodies because they're already going to get what they get, basically. Therefore, putting one's energy into helping people to come to full knowledge. The disease is avidya. In fact, the last few years when I was in the San Francisco airport and I was distributing books there, I would tell people that um, we're doing a drive to help people all over the world who are suffering from a serious disease called avidya. And <laughs> which, and then I say, which means ignorance. It's a very serious situation. People go, yeah, that's very serious. <laughs> so um, that's the most serious problem. That is the only serious problem because other than that, soul has no problem except for misidentification with matter. And uh, now, uh, let's see, where were we? Uh, yes, okay, what else do you have there? There, is, uh, there are a couple of comments there on Facebook, there are no yeah. questions. And so there's uh, Sai Lakshmi Mataji. So she said that she has two comments. The first one is that this is my first time listening to the Nadia Nagaret song. So beautiful. It took me in the middle of Lord Chaitanya and Lord Nityananda's Sankirtan. What a treat on this special day. That's so nice. Uh, the first time I heard it was in 1975 on Gaur in Mayapur. Wow. <laughs> it was sung by a, a Swami who, there uh, who was uh, very into finding all kinds of obscure songs that nobody else in ISKCON knew. And we recorded it and we took it home and... Um, after all these years, we've been able to sing it. Thank you, Sai Lakshmi. That was nice. What else? And her second comment is, yes, let's not spend our time redecorating the hotel room to try <laughs> and fit us perfectly. <laughs> well done. Well done. Sadhu, sadhu. It's a waste of time, she says. Yeah, that's a good image, redecorating the hotel room. You check into a hotel room and then you start calling and redecorating. Yeah. That's uh, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> okay, what else? There's a question by, from Bhakta Nilesh. Really? He's sending a now, back. Now, which Bhakta Nilesh is this? Bhakta Nilesh, our, our ISV is Bhakta Nilesh. Well, the other day I said something, Bhakta Nilesh took some books down to Monterey and then Nilesh wrote back and that was said the other Nilesh. <laughs> Are there two Nileshes running around ISV or what? 
Not to my knowledge. Does anybody well, know? Well, there is. Is there another? You know, there is two Nilesh's. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, go ahead. Sell. So tell us. Who is that? Avantika. So uh, Nilesh is saying that. Um, so, sorry, Avantika, are you saying something? No, I'm saying the other Nilesh is the one who got initiated recently by Jayapataka Swami. He is now Nila Krishnada, Nila Mani Krishnada. Yeah, well, so everyone should stop calling him Nilesh then. All right, so this is from our Bhakti Nilesh. Okay, yeah, yeah, because he put his last name, Nilesh Vaghela, so there's no... That'll help. <laughs> yeah. All right, go ahead. He, he's, he's looking for the $100 because he's sending a bag. Let me check and see if it's still here. Okay, Nilesh, go ahead. We have, we have the 100 only it's hard to get my drawer open. Go ahead. Let's see if you qualify. This, this is a bad question. With what mood should we go to office and should we work hard if this verse says, do not work hard? <laughs> well, that's a good question. I'm sorry, I can't give you the <laughs> Sorry, The mood that we should go to the office is mentioned by Prabhupada in the 18th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita and he, he's quoting the Acharyas and he's saying, whatever worldly work you, you have to do, he said, you should think, this is work given to me by Krishna. And I'm going to do this work to maintain myself. And by the way, it's not illegal to maintain yourself. And the second part of the question was? So with what mood should we go? Uh, there's only one question. Which yeah, what? yeah. Okay. So the question was, that that's the mood. And should you work hard? You should work hard enough so that you can maintain yourself. But don't um, overextend simply with this sense that I'm, I'm going to what? Okay, if you're having a side conversation, please mute yourself. Yeah, so um, let me, uh, I'm going to read you a verse that I heard Prophet commenting on today. He was lecturing on this verse from the fifth canto. I think you'll like this very much. This is from Rishabhadeva. Prabhupada liked this verse very much. He used to quote it a lot. This is from the uh, fifth canto, fifth chapter. And this, according to Prabhupada today, when he was speaking on it, is about household life. For, he started off by saying, uh, renounced uh, great, he said, uh, great souls are not just uh, sannyasis; they're also grihastas. And he said, uh, he said, Bhaktivinoda Thakur, Lord Nityananda, most of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's associates were grihastas. And then he quoted this verse. This is five five three. Yeva mayishe kritasauridharta janeshu deham varavartikeshu. Those who are interested in reviving Krishna consciousness and increasing their love of God do not like to do anything that is not related to Krishna. They are not interested in mingling with people who are busy maintaining their bodies, eating, sleeping, mating, and defending. They are not attached to their homes, although they may be householders nor are they attached to wives, children, friends, and or wealth. At the same time, they are not indifferent to the execution of their duties. Such people are interested in collecting only enough money to keep the body and soul together. Purport, whether he is an impersonalist or a devotee, 
one who is actually interested in advancing spiritually should not mingle with those who are simply interested in maintaining the body by means of the so-called advancement of civilization. Those who are interested in spiritual life should not be attached to homely comforts in the company of wife, children, friends, and so forth. Even if one is a grahasta and has to learn his livelihood, he should be satisfied by collecting only enough money to maintain body and soul together. One should not have more than that, nor less than that. As indicated herein, a householder should endeavor to earn money for the execution of bhakti yoga. Shravanam, kirtanam, vishnu, smaranam, padasevanam, arshanam, bandhanam, dasyam, sakyam, atmanivedanam. A householder should lead such a life that he gets full opportunity to hear and chant. He should worship the deity at home, observe festivals, invite friends in, and give them prasadam. A householder should earn money for this purpose, not for sense gratification. So no hundred dollars, Bhakti Nilesh. Good, I saw Radha Kripa Prabhu smile. He looked, you were looking a little serious there for me tonight. Are you okay? Yes, he's okay. But as Sadhu Vrindavan Das is trying to say. Sadhu Vrindavan, let's bring him in. Bring in the Sadhu from Vrindavan. Hey, Prabhu. Um, Hare Krishna I, Sadhu, how come we can't see you? Oh, really? Yeah. My video is on. There's something close. Yeah. Come, clo come a little bit close to the, the microphone, Sadhu. Hare Ball. Now can you hear me? There you go. Yes, yes. Yeah, now, I can be, now we can hear you. You seem to be fading. Yeah, just go ahead, Sadhu. So um, I had this realization on the text 47 uh, you just read us good. So I had this realization that uh, Krishna's in the in the Srimad Bhagavatam it says that um, in the karmis they they work for um, the results, but when the results come, it's not that satisfying. And so, but, but the devotees they um, they do they work for Krishna, and the, when the results come, it is satisfying for them. So I had a verse: Ananya Sintayanto how the Lord says that he will, if a devotee prays to me, I will preserve what he has and um, give what he lacks. So, so you don't have to work to, you don't have to, like, you don't have to um, work to get the results. If you just pray to Krishna, Krishna will give you everything that you need uh, for um, your living. So I had that. Did you tell that to your dad? My dad is watching YouTube, actually. Yeah, you tell him he doesn't have to work anymore, eh? Yeah. I... Well, let's see what he says. Maybe you could call him up and ask him if that's okay. Um, you know, here Prabhupada says, you know, you can work, but um, don't uh, work excessively and get so absorbed in it that you forget the goal of life. Don't work so hard that you, uh, hey, Vraja. <laughs> don't work so hard that 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 you don't have time to hear and chant and otherwise what's the use what's the use of it have a balanced life so that you can um while you're going through this period of life as grahasta then you have to be able to uh, keep the vibration going at a reasonable rate so that you don't just get absorbed in thinking about maintaining everything thank you very much any other um, reflections or questions? Ashramada Prabhu has one after Antika. 
Yes, these are some pretty intense verses because they're spoken by uh, Shukadev Goswami, who is a very renounced person. Go ahead. So it says, um, for this reason, the enlightened person should endeavor only for the minimum necessities of life while in the world of names. He should be intelligently fixed and never endeavor for unwanted things, being competent to perceive practically that all endeavors are merely hard labor for nothing. So when I read this, like that last line really stuck with me. So that's why I like saved it. And it just reminded me of what we read today. Nice. It's amazing how well these verses inform our intelligence, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And um, my question was, um, in the purport we just read, and like what you were mentioning earlier, was how the amount of happiness and distress in our lives have already been allotted to us. Yeah. If that included spiritual happiness. And if it did, like, how should we have more motivation to, like, continue doing devotional service without losing hope that, like, the amount of happiness is predetermined for us? Yeah, well, th- that doesn't include spiritual happiness. It's in okay. a different category. Okay. The kind of happiness and distress that is being spoken about in these verses is about how we have karma built up from our last lives that um, determines how much we're going to get some kind of facility in the material world for the senses and how much it will be restricted. In the ultimate issue, they're all suffering for a person who has a higher perspective because just engagement in the material world in the first place is like being in a prison. And whether you get a good cell or you get, you know, a bad cell, you're still in prison one way or the other. But the spiritual happiness is something that you can work for um, with great vigor. In fact, it, it, you know, it's mentioned in the Shastra that everybody's born into this world as a debtor, and you have to work hard to pay off your debt. There's so much uh, karmic debt that we have that you can't pay it off in one lifetime. It's not possible, because it's, it's been going on since a time immemorial, so it gets stored up. And then there's no end to it, actually. However, uh, as it's mentioned in the Bhagavatam, Devarshi Bhutapna Nrinam Pitrinam Nakinkronayam Nrini Charajan Sarvatmaraya Sharanam Sharanyam Gatomukundam Varihrita Kartam. Debtor is called a Rini. And so when we're born, we're already in debt. How do you like that? Not just for your future college fund, but you know, for everything else. But um, Devas, you owe, you owe to the Devas. They're providing us all kinds of facilities. Uh, the rishis, they give us knowledge and instructions. Uh, Bhutatma, the, all kinds of living entities that have served us. Forefathers, your parents, you know, we're debtors. But there's one person that totally opts out. And that is if you decide to take the path of surrender to Krishna. So it says, then, if, you're, if you just say, okay, I'm not going to serve myself. I'm going to serve Krishna. I'll work for him. I'll, I'll just become his devotee, 
then there's no more debt for such a person, no more karmic debt. And that is uh, something that Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita very clearly at the end, right? What verse am I thinking of? When he says, I'll absolve you of all your debt if you just surrender unto me. Hey, don't tell her, she knows. So there, Krishna's saying there, don't worry about anything. If you surrender unto me, I'll deliver you from all sinful reactions. Do not fear, do not worry, do not hesitate. So the more you work for, you know, spiritual advancement, you can do that unlimitedly, Narada says. In fact, it's a good idea. And he says, even if you try for that and you're not successful and you fall back, he said, it's still better than getting everything in the material world straight. If someone's a pakva, they're not right, but they try for spiritual life and they don't make it, better they tried than, than they got everything right in the material world because that doesn't ultimately add up to anything. Thank you. Good question. Okay, now I have a few points I want to make and then get your opinion on them. Are you ready? Yes. Maharaj, I have one question. If it's fine. Oh yeah, sure. So yeah, please accept my humble obeisance. Obeisances, all glories to Srila Prabhupada, all glories to you. Um, so the question is, uh, if happiness and distress is fixed, right? So um, what about the sins we make in this life? Like Mandavya Muni, right? He, make, uh, he killed an ant and then uh, we know the story. So. So um, he got the distress in the in in this life only, right? So yeah, well, some there's different phases of karma, as you know. There's aprabdha palam papam kutam bijam palon mukam. So there, these are the different stages of karma mentioned in the Padma Purana, where you have aprabdha. It's not. It's very subtle. It's not manifested yet. Palam papam. Uh, then you have kutam, it's starting to manifest, bijam, it becomes a seed, you can see, and then uh, then, uh, then you have prarabdha, it, it produces a fruit. So we come in, in this lifetime with a ledger, but we can change the ledger. As, as Prabhupada mentions in the introduction to the Bhagavad Gita, of the different truths he's mentioning are listed in the Bhagavad Gita, karma is not eternal. It can come to an end. So you can also create more karma in this very lifetime as well. So you have a certain amount of karma and it doesn't mean that you can't act irresponsibly and make it worse for yourself. Just like somebody goes to jail and they have to pay, pay their dues by spending three years in jail, they can go in jail and kill somebody and then they'll put them in jail for a, you know, 130 years and they'll never get out. So we're, we're not dead stones. It's not some... Um, the, the point about destiny doesn't mean that we can't make adjustments. We can make adjustments. I mean, there's certain things that are destined, just like if you buy a ticket uh, on an airline, which you, really not many people are doing right now. But if you, if you get on the airplane and you're flying to Chicago, then once you get on, the flight takes off. You're going to Chicago. You already bought it. But while you're on the plane, you can make all kinds of arrangements, who you're going to meet when you get off and... Uh, 
you know, you can talk to people on the plane and make deals. You can even call from the plane. <laughs> you know, there's, there's lots of things that you can do because we have some uh, free will to work within that. And if you really want to get out of the situation altogether, then you put your material life as only on maintenance. You maintain yourself so you can uh, do service for Krishna because you have to maintain. The body doesn't just cooperate that you just give up. Of course, even in the Bhagavatam, Narada Muni meets this uh, sage, and the sage is uh, very um, attractive. He's got auspicious features, so Narada starts to talk to him because he recognizes him as a great soul. And he notices that he's a little plump. And he just sits there. He doesn't move. And so he asked, Narada asked this obviously spiritually advanced person, what, you know, what's your life? And he told that, in, you know, previously I saw that people, they work hard for nothing and it's just suffering. And in the end, you lose it. He said, so I decided to opt out. So now he said, I took the life of a python. I only sit here and wait. And if something comes, I take it. If it doesn't, I don't take it. He said, how do you get so plump? And he said, well, things just come to me. Uh, sometimes I eat, sometimes I don't eat, but it, it's, it's just by destiny. So it's not, uh, even there are examples of somebody, if you stop doing anything, I mean, like even in America, if you don't work, the government will take care of you, basically. In India, you don't work, you, do, you can just sit there with a little bowl on the corner and people will throw rupees in it. I've seen it at Govardhan and everywhere else. And uh, people, you know, they live on the street, they live under a tree. A lot of times in these festivals, I see these people, they got, you know, a bag they carry around with them with a few pots in it, and that's it. They sit under a tree during Kartik. They just sit there and basically do nothing. But they're eating fine. Everybody, even the animals are eating. So if you work a little bit, and uh, then you utilize your energy for Krishna consciousness, then you're um, a smart person. Is that okay, Krishna? Yes, thank you so much, Maharaj. Okay. Okay, here's a couple points. Did you have something else, Shraddha? Uh, no, no, after your points, Maharaj. We have some things, but we'll take up after your, after your okay. sharing. Yeah. All right, so here are a few points I've taken from various places. One is, these are for your consideration, okay? One is that a tiny fish, Prabhupada writes, is more powerful than the elephant because the fish has taken shelter of the water. So I really like this analogy that a tiny fish is stronger than the elephant in the water. Like the, the current of the, the Ganga is so strong. If an elephant goes in, he'll be just pulled downstream really fast. And it's a dangerous situation, even for such a strong animal. But a tiny little fish, because he's adapted himself to the water, and as Prabhupada puts it here, he's surrendered to the water. Therefore, he can live in the water. Even a big wave can come, and he's not affected at all. It doesn't, doesn't bother him. So the surrendered life, the surrendered attitude towards Krishna is the way that we can live in this ocean of material existence without being affected by it. And um, like the smart little fish. So that's a thought, and I want to give you a couple more thoughts. Here's a definition of humility. Humility means the recognition that one's shakti comes from Krishna. Humility means 
the recognition that one's shakti or one's powers, whatever they may be, the power to be alive, the power to think and say smart things, the power to do some physical activity in a dexterous way, these are all Krishna shaktis. So humility means to accept that and uh, don't be um, puffed up about it. I was talking to a really nice devotee today in New York, his name's Koshuba Prabhu, and uh, we're exchanging some notes on these programs we're developing to um, take care of people once they uh, buy books and things like that. And um, so Kashtuba is doing a program in New York. He does a Bhagavatam class every morning, and a lot of people are listening. He and uh, Raghunath Prabhu do this every day. And he was saying it's, he was very honestly and, and humbly, and not, it was just a realization, he said, it's not me. He said, most of these people on the call are smarter than me, better than me in every way. He said, I just have faith in the Bhagavatam. And I read Bhagavatam and, and, you know, I'm representing Bhagavatam and therefore the potency comes through. So we should always remember that uh, whatever potency we have in devotional service, in material life, it's all Krishna Shakti. And if we remember that, that's humility. And one more, um, the third thing to consider, and I'll take some reflections, Bhaktivinoda Thakur says, inconveniences in my service to my guru are my greatest happiness in life. Inconveniences to the, in my service to my guru are the, my greatest happiness in life. So let's have a few reflections of anything of those three points or any questions. So there were questions from your previous narration, Maharaj. Okay, go ahead. Can we pick them up? Okay. So, um, there's a request from Bamsuli, <clears throat> and he's saying that if you can kindly comment on the shloka, Kurva Nirantaram Karma, Lokuyam Anubandhanat, Teneva Karmanadhyayam, Maam Param Bhaktim Vichiti. Could you show, say the verse again, please? Okay, sorry. Um, Kurvan Nirantaram Karma, Lokuyam Anubandhanat. Oh, yes, Kurvan Nirantaram Karma, Lokuyam Karmabandhanat. So this verse is from the Brahma Samhita, and um, in the verse is saying, kurvan nirantaram karma, that human beings are always doing something. You can't stop. Kurvan nirantaram karma, loko yam anuvartate, tenaiva karmana jayam mamparam bhaktimichiti. So uh, if you're, uh, <clears throat> because human society, because in human society you have to do something, you're always going to have to work. Humans are always on the move. You should uh, dedicate your activities to me, Krishna is saying. These are instructions he's giving to Brahma. Brahma Samhita here. It's a nice verse. Kurvandhyarantaraman karma loko yamadavartate tenaiva karmana dhyayam mamparam bhaktimichati. So kurvan means performing nirantaram, ceaselessly karma activities. So this means we're always doing something. The people of the world, loka aya means the people of the world, anuvartate, pursue tena by those, eva indeed, parmana jayan, meditating on me, mam. So he says, uh, the people of the world act ceaselessly in pursuance of some ideal 
By meditating on me by means of those deeds, one will obtain devotion characterized by love in the shape of the supreme service. So it means to dovetail everything with, with Krishna. So if you're uh, working in the world, then um, do your work for Krishna. As Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, whatever you do, whatever you eat, whatever you offer and give away should be done as an offering unto me. This is uh, thinking of Krishna whatever way you can. Rupa Goswami gives us first that one way or another, you should try to um, fix your mind on Krishna, yenatena, whatever way you can. So, um, you know, even demons, I was studying this verse today from the Srimad Bhagavatam. Many, many persons have attained liberation simply by thinking of Krishna with great attention and giving up sinful activities. This great attention may be due to lusty desires, inimical feelings, fear, affection, or devotional service. So if, if you're going to have to work anyway, and you are, and human society is moving on and on, if you um, meditate on Krishna somehow or other through your work, by uh, giving some of the fruit of the work to Krishna, or uh, working directly for Krishna, uh, you know, th all these ways in which um, you can fix your mind on him, then you're not being carried away by karma. You're, you'll actually develop love for Krishna and you'll go back to Godhead. Okay, another question, please. Maharaj, there, um, there are questions on the chat, on the Zoom chat. On one, okay. from, one from number one from Shukeshwari. Okay. Do you want me to read or you'll do No, that? no, I'll get it. Okay. Hey, look, there's Divyangi. Yeah, she had a observation. I like the point about happiness is even worse than misery <laughs> because it binds us more to this material world. Now you got to be a real sadhvi to like that. I have small reflection about how it is nice to have our spiritual practice and whether there's mystery or happiness. It's nice to go back to Krishna all the time. And it is nice to hear the real happiness is Krishna and hear about Krishna. Yeah, you got it. You got it. Okay. Uh, from pixel to everyone. That's Dhanavari. That's Dhanavari. That's our very own, very own Dhanavari. I like avidya ignorance. No, you don't. When I was in elementary school in India, the quote was written on the wall saying, Sa vidya ya muktye. Try to get that kind of vidya that liberates you. Yeah. The uh, Sri Japanishad is saying, Vidyam cha vidyam chayas tadvedo bayam saha avidyayam ritum chitva vidyayam ritum Can you please elaborate on the last point, inconveniences in my service to Guru? Well, yes. The fact is, and I hate oh, to tell you. you this, I don't know if I'm the first one to break this to you. So please brace yourself. Are you still there? There you are. I said, <laughs> the material world is a very inconvenient place. 
And, it, you know, it's funny because it comes with uh, warning labels on it all over the place. But I just drive right past those and go, that's all right. It's just like Chitraketu. He wanted a son so much that um, when Angira came to his kingdom, mystic powers, he could give anything and he could bestow, you know, spiritual realization. But Chitraketu couldn't hear it. He didn't, uh, he didn't ask him anything substantially. He said, you know, I want a son. And of course, in the material world for a king, that's the biggest thing you can have. But then Angira told him that, yes, you can get a son, but he'll be named Harshashoka, cause of lamentation. There'll be some happiness too, but mostly lamentation. And Chitraketu says, ah, no problem, no problem. I can handle it. Problem is we can't handle it. You know, it, it's not for us. This material world is really dull. The spiritual world is full of happiness. It's full of light. It's, it's full of good-mannered people. There's no stupid politicians saying stupid things all the time. There's no ignorant people who follow them. There's not, I mean, there, there are no anomalies in the spiritual world. It's all bliss. And, and people are there are very upright, truthful, happy. Uh, there's no inconveniences, and the power of the soul is unimaginable. Even these mystic powers that are talked about in the Bhagavatam by Krishna, he says how yogis can get mystic powers. Patanjali talks about it in the third part of his book, you know, how you develop mystic powers. And it's a technology that's available to us, but it's nothing compared to when, when somebody's liberated in, in spiritual life. So the fact that we come into a human body, we're like a, a kind of a, those caterpillars you know, we're expected to suffer a little bit to, to break out into our real life as a butterfly. That's a famous metaphor, you know. And so we're going to suffer anyway. We're going to suffer anyway. So you might as well suffer for a good cause. And if you can hook yourself on to a good, I mean, there's a lot of good causes. True said this once at Rathiatra when he was speaking at the question and answer booth, and I really liked it. I've used it ever since. There are many good causes, but there's only one great cause. And that's the, you know, going back to Godhead at any cost, whatever it takes. So if, if you hook yourself on to a spiritual master who's got some service, and then you can say, here, I'll help out. And then, you, you know, it's difficult, just like it is working in the corporate world. <laughs> Maybe even more difficult, who knows? But that difficulty is so purifying and the camaraderie you develop with the devotees who, who admire you for, you know, sticking with it. You know, look at Prabhupada. He came and he suffered for his spiritual master. I just heard him the other morning. He was talking to this, it was early on in New York City, and he was talking to some lady who was mildly intelligent, you know, and she was asking questions and stuff like that. But it sounded like she was maybe the only one there. And Prabhupada was taking the time to explain everything to her. And then Prabhupada said, you know, um, you know, he said, I'm always thinking of Vrindavan. He said, Vrindavan is my home. He said, I didn't want to come to New York. <laughs> he said, I don't like New York. <laughs> he said, I like Vrindavan. That's where I'm. He said, but I came here for my spiritual master. And, and, and he said, you see, you see, I'm, this is my duty. And Prabhupada lived like that. So th this human life is meant for sacrifice. And if you 
you can sacrifice it for a spiritual cause by being lined up in disciplic succession and getting some service and then performing that and, and taking the trouble it takes to, to do it, then basically, you know, you're set. And so when the suffering comes to a devotee who's lined up and doing service, it's, it's not like, oh, I quit, you know, when, the, when it gets hard, I quit, I don't like this. That's in the mode of passion. This is probably, uh, Krishna says in the, in the 18th chapter of the Gita that if, if you give up your duty because it's inconvenient, the duty seems inconvenient for you. That's a renunciation in the mode of passion and you won't get the result of the renunciation. So the best lineup is you line up spiritually in your duties and you, you go through whatever it takes. And, and if there are inconveniences, there's suffering in that. You're getting really purified, and it's something that Krishna never forgets, that you took the trouble to, to, to help out in his movement. And it doesn't, you just find a little niche and you hold on. And it's amazing how that niche will grow. It can be the smallest of services, but if you hold on to it, you know, you'll become famous uh, for, for doing something and sticking to it, despite the fact that it was difficult. Does that help? Hare Krishna. Okay, let's see. What else? Shukeshri is here. What does it really mean? Inconveniences is a blessing. Well, you, there it was. You both wrote in at the same time. Uh, here's Malini. All the stars are here tonight. Let's see. Thank you for such a wonderful class. I really like the point you made that real humility means to recognize that your bhakti comes from Krishna. It is such a simple yet profound realization. You know, when you meet devotees who really know that, they're so powerful because they become perfect channels for Krishna's mercy. The, the minute I put my ego in and I think I'm so, you know, great, I'm so smart, I'm so powerful, this is um, odious. You can look the word up. It's really nice. Odious. It's odious. But if you, um, if you, if you become humble, if you see someone who's actually humble and they recognize any shaktis coming from, from Krishna. They're so powerful, but they know it's not me. It's, it's coming from Krishna. That's humility, and that's attractive. It attracts even Krishna. Odious is repulsive, Maharaj. Pardon me? Odious is extremely repulsive, extremely unpleasant and repulsive. It's and extremely uh, repulsive. And it's just like, you know, if you're in Mangalartik and someone ate a garlic pizza the night before and then walks in, you can smell it. And the same way, you know, you can smell when somebody's, you know, got that thing that, you know, it's me, I'm doing this, I'm so cool. Even if it's in devotional service, it, it, it's like, you know, could you tone it down a little bit? Uh, you know, it's odious. Okay, go ahead, what else? Maj, may I ask a question? Yes, Manjula Kanda, finally, a live question. <laughs> And I, and I still have the hundred dollars. <laughs> I was thinking eight minutes to go. This could be it. All right, go ahead. I was thinking a lot about the ahammameti. You know, this need to always have uh, me in mind. And I was thinking about this concept of uh, in the sense that I felt. You know, I wanted this little bit of space just for me. I don't need like my house, my car. I own this. But then uh, every human being has a minimal amount of me in mind that they need. Like my own personal space. Can we say that? You know, I want my one. Does this have to do with the lockdown now? 
No, no, I'm, I'm trying to understand. Is that okay with me and mine when you say yes. It's perfectly okay. okay. Uh, you know, if you need a palace because you're a king, kings, you know, they're kshatriyas. They have a certain nature. They need a palace to sit in. Otherwise, they feel a little uncomfortable. And other people, Brahmana type people, they don't like that stuff. They want like a simple thing with like a little, little thatched roof thing with no amenities, you know, just stay because they're, they're in a different mode of nature. So everyone's born into a different mode of nature, different mixtures of modes, and those have to be accommodated. Mm. And uh, see, if you don't accommodate them, here, let me read you a purport. May I? Yes, ma'am. Permission? Okay. I think you've heard it before, but you'll be delighted to hear it again, if I can find it this time. I was looking up for somebody the other night, and I couldn't find it. Here you go. Okay, this is from 8.2.30. You ready? Yes, okay, keep your ears wide open and hear directly from Prabhupada. Thereafter, because of being pulled into the water and fighting for many long years, the elephant became diminished in his mental, physical, and sensual strength. The crocodile, on the contrary, being an animal of the water, increased in enthusiasm, physical strength, and sensual power. Purport in the fighting between the elephant and the crocodile, the difference was that although the elephant was extremely powerful, he was in a foreign place in the water. During 1,000 years of fighting, he could not get any food. And under the circumstances, his bodily strength diminished. And because his bodily strength diminished, his mind also became weak and his senses less powerful. The crocodile, however, being an animal of the water, had no difficulties. He was getting food and was therefore getting mental strength and sensual encouragement. Sensual encouragement. Thus, while the elephant became reduced in strength, the crocodile became more and more powerful. Now, from this we may take the lesson that in our fight with Maya, we should not be in a position in which our strength, enthusiasm, and senses will be unable to fight vigorously. Our Krishna consciousness movement has actually declared war against the illusory energy in which all the living entities are rotting in a false understanding of civilization. The soldiers in this Krishna consciousness movement must always possess physical strength, enthusiasm, and sensual power. To keep themselves fit, they must therefore place themselves in a normal condition of life. What constitutes a normal condition will not be the same for everyone. And therefore, there are divisions of Varnashrama, Brahmana, Kshatriya, Vaisha, Shudra, Brahmacharya, Grahasta, Vanaprasta, and Sanyas. Especially in this age, Kali Yuga, it is advised that no one takes Sanyas. Ashvamedham galavambam sanyasam palapatrikam devarina sutupatim kalo pancha vivarjayat from this we can understand that in this age, the sannyas ashrama is forbidden because people are not strong. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu showed us an example in taking sannyas at the age of 24 years that even Sarvabhama Bhattacharya advised Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to be extremely careful because he had taken sannyas at an early age. For preaching, we give young boys sannyas, but actually it is being experienced that they are not fit for sannyas. There's no harm, however, if one thinks that he's unfit for sannyas. 
If he is very much agitated sexually, he should go to the ashram where sex is allowed, namely the grahasta ashrama. That one has been found to be very weak in one place does not mean that he should stop fighting the crocodile of Maya. One should take shelter of the lotus feet of Krishna, as we shall see Gajendra do, and at the same time, one can be a grahasta if he is satisfied with sexual indulgence. There is no need to give up the fight. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu therefore recommended stani stita shrutigatam tanduvan manobi. One must stay in whatever ashram is suitable for him. It is not essential that one take sannyas. If one is sexually agitated, he can enter the grahasta ashram. But one must continue fighting. For one who is not in a transcendental position to take sannyas artificially is not a great credit. If sannyas is not suitable, one may enter the grahasta ashram and fight maya with great strength, but one should not give up the fighting and go away. So the really pertinent section for, for your question is here, in which you said, um, Hare Krishna, the soldiers of this Krishna consciousness movement must always possess physical strength, enthusiasm, and central power. To keep themselves fit, they must therefore place themselves in a normal condition of life. So it's important. When, when the Bhagavatam says, Kamasya nendriya pritir labo jivete yavata, it's not, they're never saying anything impractical that you should you know, just give up everything and do something unnatural. It's a, it's a very commonsensical a process. You know, take care of the body in such a way that you can be strong. And uh, some people get stronger by renunciation. Some people, they need some kind of, you know, special arrangement so that they can be um, enthusiastic. And so that's what counts. I really like the part where you said that just because a person is, is not strong in one part doesn't mean that he's not, you know, he can't fight the fight. Is right. Yeah. You know, Papa allowed people uh, to, you know, move that they didn't get along one place, go somewhere else, this and that. Not encouragement to just whimsically walk away if things aren't going the way you want. That's, that's also trouble. We talked about that already. But I've seen, you know, a sports team, sometimes somebody's lagging and then they trade him and becomes a superstar, you know, (laughs) on another team. (laughs) You know, everyone fits somewhere. So try to fit in. You know, the material world's not a perfect fit. It's hard to find anything. So Prabhupada says you have to be inventive. You have to, and when it comes to livelihood, be inventive. Find some place to get yourself through. I always appreciated Rajendra Nandana Prabhu. You know, as long as I've known him, he always did some kind of inventive thing. Like, what are you doing now? Ah, I'm selling this or that. You know, it's just to pay the bills. <laughs> he didn't waste too much time, you know, trying to become, you know, like, Mr. Successful in the material world, but he's Mr. Successful in the spiritual world and he's maintained himself fine just selling this or that, you know? So there you have it. Thank you for your question and no hundred dollars. I'm very sorry. Okay. (laughs) Well, we've come to the end of our time and I'm just looking through the, the names up here and boy, do we have some wonderful devotees. Let's have a little kirtan to end. And um, keep thinking of Krishna. It's so important to remember Krishna. When you wake up in the morning, say this verse, Jayati Janandivaso Devaki Janmavado Yadavada Parishatswarador Virasanadharmam Stidachadavajinanasi Smita Shri Mukena Vrajapuna Bharitanam Kamadevam. 
And remember, Krishna is a person. And he's the, he's the most beautiful. I mean, anyone who saw Krishna, they so, some who saw Krishna, they were just so stunned. They, they couldn't stop looking at him. Um, and, and, you know, when Krishna would play his flute, the, the Jamuna would stop flowing or go backwards. Birds would stop in the air, midair. They just stopped. They, could, they, they were flying and they'd stop. The, the whole world becomes stunned by his flute. So he's all attractive. And one way or another, Manakrishna Devesha, fix your mind on Krishna, read his instructions from Bhagavad Gita, and remember him by um, saying his names. That's the most sweet process in the whole universe that Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu gave us. You're directly saying Krishna's name. There's nothing that isn't all fruit. You know, it's, it's perfect, the Maha Mantra. And if you say it and just remember, when the mind goes away somewhere else, just say, come back to Krishna and listen to these names. This is the process of bhakti and you'll be uh, so successful by this process. And just uh, remember Krishna and depend on Krishna and then offer respectful obeisances to all living entities, remembering Krishna is within the heart of, of every soul, every body. And by that humility then uh, Krishna becomes very pleased. That's all there in the 11th canto in the section on bhakti. Isn't it? Let's ask, uh, yeah, isn't it there in the 11th canto? Do you remember on the section of bhakti? Ananda Murari, do you remember? When we were in, in Govardhan, we read that section. Anandamurari, were you there that year we read from the 11th canto about bhakti? I wasn't there, but Mukharavan just said, it, yes, he said, yes, it was there. He was there? I, yeah, Mukharavan, I, I wasn't there for the 11th canto. I was there for 10th canto and Krishna book. So say, say one thing you remembered from our reading in Govardhan. Uh, I remember that Srila Prabhupada writes in, in Krishna book that uh, there is always an opportunity for devotional service. Oh, but there's actually another thing that I remembered. Um, I knew you were going to remember this. Um, Has to do with names. decorations of the bodies of the coward boys, right? No, I was thinking the names, the sequence of names. Oh, that one too. Yeah. Okay, you have to look those up and then bring them back to us. Okay, I'll look them up. Again. Okay. Yeah, those are good times. Just hearing Bhagavatam. It's all, yeah. it's all cream. And I, I was thinking one thing right before you lead kirtan it was i just you're causing me to remember from bhakti no takur and sharanagati he sings uh seva sukha dukha uh, parama sampada naishe avijaduka that in your devotional service i i encounter happiness i encounter distress and all of these things are my greatest treasures because naishe avijaduka they destroy the suffering of ignorance so I was just remembering that. That's beautiful. Thank you for bringing that out. And you know, Mukharavinda, I think you were saying, he'll remember that time we read about bhakti. And it was the thinnest section in the 11th canto. And it said, uh, the, a Vaishnava should bow to even a dog. And the next morning, we all went out on the Govardhan Parikrama. And we were like about two hours in. And we got to, uh, we were to Uddhavakund. Sun was just coming up. And yeah, it's beautiful. And then there was this dog right in front of the temple rolling 
on his back in the dust. So all spontaneously, we just offered our obeisances to the dog. And he flipped over and he looked at us. And he said, the look on his face was priceless. <laughs> he looked at us like, what? No one's ever done that before. And uh, we were remembering how Krishna makes bhakti so simple. Be humble. Offer respects to all living entities. Remember that I'm there in the heart. Thanks, Ananda. It's so good to see you. Hi, Krishna. And Namrata has given us the verse number for that. The one that really? Yeah, eleven twenty nine six. Extra points for that. <laughs> Degra di disregarding the ridicule of one's companions, one should give up bodily conception and its accompanying embarrassment. One should offer obeisances before all, even the dogs, outcasts, cows, and asses, falling flat upon the ground like a rod. That's bhakti. That's the system of bhakti that he mentions in the eleventh canto. Gor Prevarande Haribo. Natchari Armarman. Natchari Armarman. Natchari Armarman. Natchari Armarman. Hey, Natchari Armarman. Natchari Armarman. Natchari Armarman. Natchari Armarman.